Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Learner's Corner podcast. This is the podcast for lifelong learners where we learn from anything and everything. My name is Caleb Mason. My name is Todd Hixenbaugh. Today, we are going to be learning from the company called Loyal Collective, and joining us for this will be the co-founders of Loyal Collective, Tim Hughes and Matt Bells. So these two guys are, are these really creative guys. They have a hilarious story as to how they kind of get into this thing. But uh, both of them basically just love denim and they wanted to be able to create a company where they could make high quality denim products. And that's what they've done. That's what they've set out to do. That's what they've accomplished. Um, they are based out of St. Louis, Missouri. And uh, they, they have, they just have, as I like, they have cool swag is what I like to call it. They have cool swag. They make cool stuff. Um, and so these two guys, they're, they're, like I said earlier, though, their story of how they kind of got this thing started and, and some of the problems that they had getting it off the ground, unbelievable, and yet they persevered. And so this is a great episode um, to be able to listen to, just to hear that story and, and to be able to to be able to process through um, what hard work and, and all that that they had to put in and just these great quality products now that are the result um, of that. And we're going to be bringing you the story of Loyal Collective right now. Well, welcome to the podcast, Tim Hughes and Matt Bells. Hey, guys. Hey, what's up, guys? Hey, Glad so to be here. Thanks for having us. Yeah. So we're really excited to talk with you today about Loyal Collective. Um, why don't you go ahead and tell our audience a little bit about Loyal Collective and what you do and what your roles are there. Go ahead, Tim. So at Loyal Collective, you know, we're a, a men's ready-to-wear brand. We started with uh, one cut in two different fabrics. Um, you know, we changed our business model. Um, I feel like as young of a company as we are, I'm like, I can't believe how many times we've reinvented ourselves. But um, uh, what we've done recently is is try to make American-made goods uh more affordable to, to the common man. And that's, um, that's kind of our mission. You know, we were playing a sandbox where, uh, you know, we were competing with, with denim companies that charge, you know, 150 plus, uh, for their, for their jeans. And we thought about it and we said, you know, there's gotta be a better way. Uh, so we started our direct to consumer model and, um, you know, we've grown organically. We don't have investors or, um, uh, you know, any, any loans out there yet, um, so to speak, but, um, you know, we've grown through our own sales. So we're pretty pumped about that. Um, uh, you know, yeah, could we, could we go and, and borrow money from family and stuff? You know, we've always talked about that, but, um, we decided that it wasn't something we wanted to do. We wanted to just, uh, uh be self-funded. So this thing is, so this thing's pretty organic. So I'm assuming then you guys pretty much put up all the cash then to get this thing off the ground. Like, is that, is that safe to assume? Yep. Yes. Wow. Wow. That's, that's, that's an incredible, that's an, that's an incredible, um, feat to, to do that and to, to continue to this day to be, um, self-funded. That's, that's crazy. So kind of, kind of walk us through the journey of, you know, from when you first got the idea for Loyal Collective to where you are today. Well, Tim and I have been best friends forever. And uh, after high school, we ended up on the West Coast. We were living in L.A. And I, uh, I stumbled into a job at an up-and-coming, which became hugely successful, uh, denim company called Rock and Republic. And uh, we were just two kids getting to go to Hollywood parties. And I was learning on, about denim on the side. 
and we always wanted to be entrepreneurs and always wanted to do something together and be our own bosses and we always said, well, we we know a little bit about jeans we could uh we could we could see if we could do that and uh everything was fun about it so hey why not give it a shot and we kind of just kicked around the idea for years uh eventually owning a bar before we did that because our brilliant plan was to have our days free to work on denim while we spent the nights working at the bar, which is a recipe for disaster right there. Uh, <laughs> but we always kept the idea alive and and literally just decided to jump all in one day. And that's how we got here, basically. Yeah, and to, to add to that, you know, Matt just mentioned that, that he worked at Rock and Republic, so... I would say when we started, our learning curve was was shortened significantly because he already, I guess you could say he already kind of knew the steps to take. I mean, if, if somebody woke up one day and said, hey, I want to start a denim line, it's not like the places that you would source denim, uh, manufacturing, sample makers, all the stuff that goes into it. Like, they don't advertise in the yellow pages. They don't even... Some of them don't even have websites, believe it or not. Or if they do, you know, you'll find them on like literally the 16th page of Google. And, you know, at the bottom at the bottom of their page, it'll say, you know, all rights reserved 2002. You know, it's the last time they updated anything. It's extremely archaic. So to find all of these types of places, um, particularly if you had no background in it, I can only, it was it was extremely hard for us. I can only imagine how hard it would be if you had no clue, no frame of reference. Yeah. Wow. So just on the story that I just on the, on your guys's website, um, just the story. You guys have kind of a crazy story, um, just about everything that you've kind of been through and kind of how the a how the company started. B kind of the 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 stall that you guys kind of had there at the beginning. Can you just talk a little bit about, you know, just the start and, and what that was and, and a little bit about the, the, the stall that kind of happened for you guys? Yeah. Uh, yeah, this is Tim's favorite story, so I'll let him tell it. Day after Thanksgiving. Yeah, so, so day after Thanksgiving, it was uh, 2014. And uh, that was that was the day that, all of our basically, you know, last three and a half to four years of hard work was coming down to, we were receiving or due to receive our first production order. It was a little over 400 pairs. Um, they were coming from San Francisco. Yeah. And, and so we, it was, it was supposed to be a big day. Our first production order comes in. It's the day after Thanksgiving. So, you know, you have friends and family, uh, in town, and we were supposed to go to a concert uh, at a local venue called the Pageant. And you know, it, it started off funny. It, it was it was ten humongous boxes of jeans, okay, and they were being delivered by UPS. Well, somehow only five got delivered, and then the other five got delivered to the same address, but in a completely different city that's like fifty miles away. So that was already kind of weird in itself okay and so you know we we accepted the uh you know the five boxes and matt wasn't here at the time you know i i opened them and from the very first pair i saw i mean i opened the box and literally i was like these aren't right within two seconds i'm looking I, i'm like these aren't right 
And I'm hoping it's just like a rogue pair, you know, like I'm hoping it's just like a one-off. And it was, if somebody could have seen this or if it was on tape, it was probably like a scene in a movie, you know, like a little kid, you know, frantically searching for something in a messy room. Like, I'm like, literally, I'm like starting out slow. I'm like throwing out a pair and I'm like, no, no, no. And I'm like throwing pairs out just left and right. Cause I can just see pair after pair after pair. And I finally realized after I got through about two boxes, I was like, they're all like this. And so I called Matt or texted him and, and, and I said, Hey man, you know, you need to get over here as soon as possible. We got a major problem. And you know, Matt kind of, not that he didn't take it seriously. He just knows me. And he's like, ah, you're probably overreacting. You know, it's probably not that big of a deal. And I'm like, no, 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 you don't understand. These things aren't sellable. And even still, I think he was, I think he was kind of hoping that I was just being dramatic. Um, but when he got here, Matt, what'd you see? I mean, Ugh, was, yeah. I, was I right? Disaster. Disaster. Yeah. Every single pair. And it, it wasn't that they were like, came out as shorts or anything like that. It just was, a, it, it, it was a, in the grading process when you take a sample size and turn it into all of your sizes, uh, something got wrong something was wrong and i mean it was a little thing we just we couldn't sell them i mean it was just a little pocket error but i mean when you're and this is before we went to direct consumer pricing so we couldn't sell 150 dollar jeans that weren't perfect that, that's where right. our, you know our our brand our name our everything on it so yeah and he wasn't and really you accurate. know you, you imagine that scenario it's not like this happened on a Tuesday morning in the middle of, you know, September. I mean, this was a holiday weekend. It was late in the day on a Friday. Um, it's, I'm sure you can imagine the agony we had. It's not like we could just pick up the phone and, and call the factory right away right. in San Francisco and, and talk it out. We, we were really um, kind of just hanging, hanging in the, uh, uh, hanging out to dry for the entire weekend, like the next 72 hours Wow! until Monday could roll around. And I mean, when that happened, needless, but side note, we didn't end up going to the concert. We, we just couldn't. I mean, <laughs> yes. we, we could, we could have gone. I don't think we would have been very good company. You know, we were like, number one, not in the mood. And number two, we didn't want to ruin anybody's night by being, you know, uh, lame. So we decided not to go. And, uh, you know, basically we just kind of hung out that night and, um, you know, ran over all of these different scenarios. Like, well, what if it's this? What if it's this? Um, the end result was these types of companies, you know, you can't, it's, it's not like they say, Oh, you know, we're sorry. We'll, we'll redo it for you. No, 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 no. They're pretty much just like, they, they, they really pass the buck. There's no, um, very little accountability. Um, it's they kind of point the finger. Well, you know, the manufacturer will say it was the grader. The grader will say it was the pattern maker, um, et cetera, et cetera. So, and none of them need us. We need them. Yeah, true. So there's, that's a, there's that's nothing. A, that's a great point. That's a great point. So, um, you know, that manufacturer that 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 we were in in San Francisco, yeah. That's right. I mean, they have huge orders from huge companies. I mean, I'm talking like, you know, they, they work with companies that are big enough where our 400 
plus pairs would be like some company's sample run. Like that's, that's nothing to them. So we were lucky to be there. And if, if we call them and start being demanding, they just be like, you know, beat it. You know, we don't, we don't, we don't need this kind of stress. So, uh, we really had to tread lightly. Um, what ended up happening is we were not made whole. I mean, nobody gave us a refund. Nobody gave us credit. It was pretty much just like tough break guys. And, uh, you know, being self-funded, I mean, it was, it set us back like a good eight or nine months. It was a um, huge. Yeah. And I would say mo- mostly financially, but, but also mentally. I mean, we were, we were really questioning, like, you know, it, it was so hard to get to that point. It took so much time. We were like, man, do we even want to try this again? Like there were some things that happened to us. I mean, that just don't happen. It doesn't happen. You know, like things that you wouldn't even believe. Right. But, and that was like the final, you know, what we thought potentially knockout blow. Yeah. Yeah. How do you, how do you overcome that? I mean, you, you have overcome it. Like not, as you said, not just the financial situation and like realizing, Oh man, we just put all this like blood, sweat and tears, all this money into it. And it's not what we expected, but overcoming it mentally, emotionally. I mean, even the people, I mean, cause I'm sure you had people, like in your life going, oh man, this must be a sign or you shouldn't do this or why would you try it again? Like how, how did you, how did you overcome that? If Tim and I weren't the, the, the friends and nearly brothers that we were, we wouldn't have been able to. I don't think I could have got through that with anybody, but we we're we're a lot alike, but we're a lot different. And that's a good thing because we, we can comfort each other and I know what to say to him and he knows what to say to me. And when we're both feeling as down as you can be, we somehow figure out a way to like pull each other out of it at the same time. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't think I would have overcame that with anybody else. I just, it's, that was, it's incredible. I mean, yeah. we just, we, we just finally looked at each other and said, all right. I, I agree. I, or, Matt, I agree with you a hundred percent on that. And, Yeah, I mean, we looked at each other and said, are we doing it again or are we giving up? And we both said, we're doing it again. We'll do, we're doing it again. Gotcha. And the one yeah, positive... And I, oh, sorry, Tim, go ahead. No, go ahead. The one positive thing that did come out of that was we're still with that manufacturer today that did that. I mean, we, we had, couldn't go anywhere else. And uh, they lowered our, our, our production minimums and allowed us to chip away at what we lost financially and, and kind of build our way back there without the, the scare that that would happen again. That's cool. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. So yeah, that was, that was, uh, that was good. Sorry. That, I'm going to add one more thing that the, I, I would, I would say another, another big reason that we overcame that is it was true passion for what we were you know trying to do. Um, if we didn't really love the process, I mean, I don't even think we would have need, needed to talk about it. We would have just, just, we'd just be like, okay, it's, you know, that was fun while it lasted, but, you know, let's get on with our lives. Um, um, so, yeah, I mean, a true passion for the process and pattern making and everything we had been through. I mean, we just, it was almost not even, I mean, we, we kind of sort of talked about, about giving up, but it was never like a real uh, consideration. Right. Talk to us a little yeah. bit about the the, the so shifting gears from from uh, bad memories. 
<laughs> um, talk to us a little bit about um, about that process, about like what what has you guys so passionate about um, about pattern making, about jean, uh, denim, and making these custom jeans. Like, talk to us a little bit about what you make makes you so passionate about that. You know, since my days at Rock and Republic was when I really gained the affection for denim. I've always been just a creator, an artist, a musician, and anything I can just create. So, I mean, I always, since I got a little kid, you know, I acted in plays as a kid, and, and I just always had creative juices. And and Tim gained a lot of that in adulthood. Um, so, I mean, we, we just found that, you know, not a lot of people did denim. It's hard. And we were going to start with the hardest thing to do, and we're going to perfect it, and we're going to learn it and hone our craft and, and just do it. Right. Um, wow. So, so one of the things that I that, that I, I also read on the website is, please tell me that this is this is an accurate true story. Did you guys really carry sewing machines into a into a community uh, college? Yes. yes. <laughs> and we were the only yes, ones. We who did. Uh, and in typical Tim and Matt fashion, uh, we showed up late and. Uh, it was like a record screeched when we walked into this room. Oh. It's all women, all sitting at a table, and then two dudes who look like Tim and I with sewing machines walk in late yeah. as they kicked the door in and said, hey, we're here. And well, and th this actually happened. I mean, we're, we're holding sewing machines, mind you. The instructor, you know, class, I mean, we, we weren't way late. We were probably maybe five minutes after class started and, and she looked at us and she goes, she says, are you guys in the right place? I mean, we're holding sewing machines. This is a sewing class. I mean, this is like a night class. It's not like it was a, you know, entirely full college campus where there was a chance. And so I said, is, is this sewing for beginners? And she said, yes, it is. And I was like, we're in the right place. And I look at Matt and his face is just red. Like, and he kind of looks over at me, and he he lip just kind of mouthed the words. He said, "He said, let's go." And I was like, "No way, man!" And I was like, "The hardest part's over. We're you know that that little you know embarrassing thing right there. I mean, that's it can't get worse than that, or can it?" Um, but yes, that is that is a true story. That was funny. And there's another funny story about that night. We <clears throat> as soon as we finally settle in, and I'm anxious. So like he said, I'm ready to hit the door. And uh, we sit down, and we have to do the get to know you with the rest of the class. So why are you oh, taking no. the sewing class? <laughs> and we're the last ones to go. So all the girls go, oh, well, I just want a hobby for during the day, or I want to make baby blankets for my kids, or blah, you know, whatever their answer. And Tim and I are like, we're going to start a denim company. And every head is back to the room. You're going to what? I said, we're going to learn to make jeans, and we're going to start a denim company. I was like, oh, God, we're, what are we doing to ourselves here? But, but yeah, there, there, there was a lot of a uh, lot of eye rolls. You had a lot of people like, sure, okay, okay. <laughs> That's yeah. funny. That's crazy. So just just by the way, for the listeners, um, uh, the, you have to go on the you have to go on the, their 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 story and read it. But it, you got to read their story. Um, we'll have that in the show notes for you. It, it, they have some funny stories on there. Just. How that how that all started, but one of the other th cool, cool things that are on there that that that's on there is your your guys's patch. Whose hand was that? 
and why was it burned? Well, that was mine. Uh, we uh, we were. I think that might have been our one of our first runs at the patches itself. But uh, Tim, we're at, we're at the office. Tim and I and, and my girlfriend's helping. We're cutting the patches. We're going. I mean, it's like an assembly line. It's like a like a facility going on there. I just had this 500 degree iron sitting next to me, and just in casual conversation with my left hand, just grab it right by the stem. And it, I mean, instantly I knew this was bad. And I turned to them calmly and I said, guys, I just burnt myself. And they just keep cutting and counting and, and passing along. I said, guys, I just burnt myself. And then I start freaking out. I'm like, I really burnt myself. And instantly, I mean, boiled up. Uh, I, it hurt in my feet that they hurt so bad. And uh, I ended up sleeping with my hand in a bowl of milk all night because it was the only thing that would stop yeah. the pain. It was intense. Yeah. So talk but yes, yeah, stupidity, not paying attention. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Talk to us a little bit about the patch. Like, what's significant about that patch? Well, we wanted when we were trying to decide what we wanted in a leather patch. We definitely wanted something unique, uh, but at the same time, we to save money. I mean, you know, remember we we're we're self funded. You know, we wanted to do something that we could do, right? Like, mm. yeah, we made the pattern. Um, yeah, we, we, you know, designed the buttons and the logos, stuff like that. But I mean, once you go into production, you are kind of off, you know, you don't cut it more, um, you know, you're not sewing anything up from production. It's not like, you know, the sample or prototype process. So we were like, what is, what is something that we can add to the gene that really puts our our stamp on it and, uh, um, something that, that we can say, yeah, we definitely made this part of every gene. And so we're like, well, the leather patch has got, so we kicked around, you know, a few different ideas. Do we want to stamp it? Um, you know, do we want to just cut it ourselves and then, and then have a professional company, uh, laser etch it or, or something like that. And we were like, eh, you know, that's all been done before. Um, so we thought we're like, well, I mean, we are using a real leather patch, like, what if we branded it? Like I've never seen something like that before. So, you know, Matt took it and ran with it. He, he went online and, and, um, you know, used the power of the old Google machine. And he was able to find somebody that makes custom branding irons. I mean, who knew, right? We weren't sure if we were going to be able to find something like that, but we did. Right. And, and by the way, we'll have a picture of, of the uh, of the patch in, in in the show notes too, just so that everybody can can see exactly what we're talking. It's a, it's a really sweet looking um, patch. I, I love I love what you guys what you guys did with that. Thank like, you, thank you. You know, one one of the big themes or two of the big themes that I see throughout your whole story is just the idea of resiliency and being willing to reinvent yourself. And for our listeners, they're probably not going out and starting a denim company. But whatever situation they're facing, at some point, they're going to have to face the choice to be resilient and to reinvent yourself. So talk to us a little bit about that and the importance of resiliency and the importance of being willing to reinvent yourself. Did you go ahead? Well, yeah, I think, you know, particularly today, I mean, you just look at the world with technology how it's changing, right? 
whether you're an entrepreneur or or not, or you just have a you know a regular career, you're an accountant, you know whatever it is. Um, nobody has the same job for 30 years anymore. You know, like the world is changing at, at an incredibly rapid pace. I mean, you know, you even think about where we were at even five years ago. Um, so I think if, if you're not willing to change and adapt and, and constantly reinvent yourself and learn stuff, uh, you're going to, you're just going to be left in the dust. I mean, Honestly speaking, and, and that that even goes for somebody that's that's even, you know, within a professional career. I mean, with all the technology and information available, I mean, it's it's a must. You know, you have to. Um, you know, we were you know thrown into the situation, or we chose it, but you know, being being uh, aspiring entrepreneurs, um, you know, we we picked a business model at first that we realized didn't really work for us. Um, so we kind of found ourselves in a situation again, that was sort of like when, uh, when our genes came back that first run that were, that were ruined. And we said, okay, if, if we want to make this work, we're going to have to do something drastically different. Yeah. 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 I, I mean, and it's not even just business. I mean, in real life, I mean, that's just how you gotta be. I mean, Tim and I, as like I said, right after high school, moved to California, and we had to learn how to be adults and how to, you know, do our own stuff. And and it's just about, you know, you got to be resilient in life. Things are going to change around, and you got to figure out how to make the best of it and 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 do the best in the situation. So, kind of switching gears again, what what would you say um, differentiates you from all the other like jeans and denim companies? Definitely the, uh, you know, there's not a lot of, uh, of, of high end stuff that's American made that's direct to consumer. You know, everybody's got the retail markup and then you, you're cool if you're selling for 300 bucks a pair or whatever. But I mean, re- retail is a dying animal, you know, and we try to get ahead of, ahead of that curve and, 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 and not jump on the bandwagon and be like everybody else, but get there first and say, look, you can do it. And here's what it's going to be. And we're not saying we're still charging 200 bucks. We slashed our prices almost in half right off the bat and said, look, we're passing this to you guys. We're doing this so we can pass the savings on, not so we can double our profit. You know, like we didn't reinvent the wheel with a five pocket gene, but we, you know, we're making the highest quality we can in America and selling it to the best price we can. And I think that's the main differentiator in us and everybody else. Because there's not a lot of companies that is doing it like we are right now. Right. Absolutely. No, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I, to add to that, um, Matt, I, I totally agree with you. I mean, our, like our value proposition would be our direct-to-consumer pricing. And, and what that means specifically is like, so we are exclusively an e-commerce company. Like you can't go buy Loyal Collective at you know your local boutique or at um, Nordstrom or anything like that. Um, because of that, we are selling to the consumer at the same price that we would sell to a store for. But when you are in retail, I mean, name a business out there that doesn't have a website these days, right? So. If you are in retail stores, you know you also on your website need to reflect those retail prices. So somebody could go and buy on your website, right? But 
even though they're buying direct from you, you know, the company, they're still paying a retail markup. They're still paying what they would pay at, um, at Nordstrom or, or, you know, what have you. So we kind of thought about it and we're like, man, we see an opportunity here. I mean, there were a couple of companies out there that had, that were doing it, but everybody else in the market is trying to get into as many boutiques as they can. And that's, that's great. It just wasn't for us. Talk to us a little bit about that because this seems to be like a an up and coming and big thing. I mean, we just see uh, Amazon, right, buying up companies and, and and all these things. But talk to us about this e-commerce kind of boom that's happening right now because it seems like you can buy just about anything on the internet now. Just just talk to us a little bit about the about the way this is this is for one changed your guys's business and you kind of touched on that just now. But but just moving forward, you know, where do you see this 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 going with with this e-commerce stuff? Personally, I only see it getting bigger. I really do. Um, you know, small boutiques seem to be doing okay. Um, I don't think that those are ever going to go away. I think that I think you're always going to have people that, you know, particularly like you know Matt mentioned earlier when you know we decided to start doing jeans. It's like, you know, name something in your everyday wardrobe where fit is more important than a pair of jeans, right? Yeah, you care about the fit on your shirt or your jacket. Um, but in a pair of jeans, most people are extremely specific. So, yeah, you know, we picked, you know, one of the harder things to make in the male everyday wardrobe, but we're also trying to sell that online too. So we had to come up with a, with a solid return policy and exchange policy. Um, um, so, you know, to that point, you know, you're, you're always going to have people that, want to go to their local boutique and actually try something on and feel it in their hands first. So I don't think that's ever going to change. Um, but I mean, let's face it, you know, we talked about, uh, you know, just a few minutes ago about changing and adapting. I mean, it wasn't five years ago that my mom still didn't trust shopping online. And now she's an Amazon prime member. Right. You know, and, and she's in her sixties. And I mean, you know, you look at, Kids now, I mean, you'll go to any restaurant in town, you'll see a four-year-old that is fully functional on an iPad. I mean, you know, you got Amazon's talking about, or Amazon is talking about drones dropping off your packages. I mean, it, I, I don't see it. I don't see us going back. Right? I, I'm, I'm going to be honest. I hope that that happens because I would like to, to, um, to see if I could, like, capture one of those drones. Like, like how <laughs> like just how cool would that be i'm just saying i'm just saying so, yeah hey i mean they'll probably have like a little uh self-defense mechanism on it you won't be able to do that zap, but yeah. it'd be fun to try right uh it, it it would it would um just with this so you you said a little bit about it um with with the customization i mean you, there there is a lot of uh clothing is a very different animal to buy online. It just is. Um, shoes, anything, um, you know, it looks great. It's awesome. But if it doesn't fit, it doesn't fit. Um, how, how did you guys really navigate around that? I mean, that, that would have been probably a pretty big thing to have to figure out. Like, how exactly are we going to handle this? Talk to us a little bit about how you kind of navigated through that. Well, I mean, we, we still have our hiccups in that arena. But, uh, we actually don't get a ton of returns because of fit issues. Uh, we have a pretty uh, uh, descriptive uh, fit guide on our website that breaks down where to measure uh, parts of the jeans to find out what you know matches our different cuts. Um, 
That's that's a major. That's one big one. Uh, what else do you think, Tim? Well, I would also I would also say that. Um, well, when you think about it, we're an e-commerce company, so to reach our audience, it's through a lot of um, social media. Um, you know, Instagram uh, is, is the main one. Um, but really, the people that we're targeting, they're they're not really adverse to buying online anyway. Um, you know, we're not we're not necessarily targeting um, you know a generation that that is still like, well, you know, I can go buy my jeans at the store. Why would I buy them from you? Um, you know, that's not our customer. I mean, so we try to sell to who's sellable and, and, and market to people that are, you know, actually looking, you know, for a company, uh, like ours. And that would be, you know, a, they're already in the market for, um, you know, what we would call entry level, uh, luxury denim. You know, we're not, we're not like in the H and M, um, or fast fashion price point. Um, um, so, you know, the type of guys that are buying our jeans, they're, for the most part, pretty comfortable with reading a fit guide and they kind of know like, you know, a 32 in one brand could be completely different than a 32 in another. Um, so, you know, at, yeah. and also, lastly, I would say, lastly, I would say, you know, the, the return policy, I mean, when you, when you remove any obstacles um, and any worry from people, you know, when you say, Hey, you know, as long as it's within within the policy, thirty days, um, you know, we'll exchange it uh, or refund it, and and we'll even pick up the shipping. Yeah, I think we that all puts a lot of people both ways, which is uh, yeah. definitely awesome. Now, now you guys don't just do it's it, you guys don't sell just jeans, correct? Like you guys have other things as well. Like a bag, you have a bag. Is that a, yeah? That's a leather weekend bag that's been. Eh. Very successful. People are loving the bag. Uh, we do also men's basics, T-shirts, hoodies. We do chinos as well as denim, uh, you know, like uh, what people use, refer to as khakis. But, you know, we have different colors of chinos and, and things like that. Just expanding, it, you know, as we sell through product, like we were talking earlier, trying to organically grow into more products in each season as we sell through. But, yeah, yeah mostly men's basics, yeah. Um, so, so what, is there anything coming up next? Like down the, like, like, is there anything um, that you guys are are looking into and in the, in more men's fashion, or are you are you looking to to do? I'm just saying, I love the bag. Oh, thanks. Yeah, he, thank I I told him I wanted to buy it, and he's like, "Do you have a bag?" And I was, my <laughs> answer was yes. He said, "Then you don't need to buy it." And I was like, hey, <laughs> "So cool." Todd, 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 you need this bag, man. I need that. Thank you. I need it. It's calling my name. It's it's calling my name. And not not only that, yeah, we. I mean, we definitely want to expand to women's eventually too. Uh, That you know, I I I I pushed him on that a lot. I mean, women drive women drive that kind of stuff. If if we've already sold men's, when the women start buying, then their husbands start buying, their boyfriends start buying. You know. So I I mean, and and. I, and I don't want to leave them out, you know. I want to. I want to have a great fitting pair of girls' jeans too, so that they can buy some loyal collectives too. Feel good and look good. Yes. Yeah. That. Yeah. To answer your question, I, I think that would be the next frontier for us is uh, is women's denim. Um. But you know, we're trying to learn from you know our mistakes, and I mean, we're really making sure that we're 
you know, on point and, and, and ready with it. We don't want to rush it. Don't rush but, it, yes. But it'll, it'll happen. It will happen sooner than later. Awesome. Great. Well, hey, as we're wrapping up, one question that we always like to end uh, our interviews with is, what are you learning right now? Man, everything. Um, I I do a lot of the website stuff, and I am literally learning as a problem arises. I have to go figure out a solution. So I'm always, you know, and I'm doing a lot more of the social media these days, which I Tim usually took care of most of that. So I'm learning the, the social media game and, and and how to code and how to do back into the website stuff. And we're always learning to tweak patterns and what you know, deciding where the trends are going and what we you know, following that and and where we want to go next. So. Sure. I mean, that, that list could go on and on and on, I think, for what we're both diving into every single day. I would say for me, it's um, kind of learning the intricacies of the women's pattern. Um, it's something that, that you know, we've, we've kind of picked up, put down and started working on it again and then, you know, uh, let it rest for, you know, three to six months and, uh, you know, we do have some women's uh, samples and prototypes, you know, ready to go. And um, I mean, we we could probably come out with them. They're pretty good, but it's still not like it's still like that last five percent that we're looking for. You know, with women's uh, genes, there's there's like literally no room for error. You know, with men's, you got you got a little more, you know, kind of uh, room for error to play with. But women's like it's it's just got to be good. It's got to be perfect. And, um, so yeah, I would say me, it's, it's more the, the women's patterns. That's really what I've been trying to focus on lately. And Tim's learning the piano too. Don't let him short himself. <laughs> He's learning to play the piano right now. Nice little Mozart over there. Well, I don't think that'll benefit us in any way, but hey, it's, it's, I, I got to relieve this stress somehow, right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. We're, <laughs> we're, we're readers. So that's what, that's how we, yep. that's how we do that. So if, if people want to find uh loyal collect if they want to buy uh some of your jeans or some of your denim and want to follow you along how can they do that well on social media it'll always be just at loyal collective um and then our website is is the same it's just uh, uh loyalcollective.com um and and instagram is probably our main form of social media. Um, but you know, recently we just started a, a Pinterest, uh, account also. And I mean, very recently. And then, uh, Facebook is something that going forward, we're going to spend a lot more time on. Awesome. Cool. Well, thanks so much for joining us today. Uh, you guys hey, thanks on. for having us guys. Fun. My big takeaway from that interview, um, just talking with those two guys is a, um, the hard work that they put into it. I mean, Going and taking night classes to learn how to sew and to make patterns and all of that, that takes um, humility, it takes um, determination and just hard work. But the other thing that I get out of that interview is, you know, these guys are two people who have set out to kind of change and, and innovate within within the business world and to bring a different type of business model with this direct-to-consumer idea that they've both had in a, a an area of, of products that people typically want to physically be there to, to see and handle. And so this is just a great story of innovation and a story of hard work and determination that these two um, have kind of put forth for, for, for us to be able to listen to them and learn to them this week. 
Now, on the next episode of the Learner's Corner podcast, we're going to be talking about communication within an organization and going out from an organization, social media and branding with Phil Bowdle of Westridge Church. The best way to make sure that you don't miss our next episode is by subscribing to our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or on the podcast player that you use. If you want to see some of our key takeaways from this episode, check out our show notes. So the show notes are a great way to continue the conversation long after we're done talking. And so one of the things that we love to be able to do with these is to be able to give you information that was contained inside of these episodes um, and kind of in a boiled down way so that you can access them easily. The easiest way to do that is within your podcast player. If you're using just the standard um, Apple podcast player, you can go into the description tab underneath there. Click on that and you'll see a drop down with everything there. There are click to tweets. There are tons of resources. Anything that was mentioned in the episode, um, website information, all of that's there as well as Um, Just some quotes, things that were said so that you guys can stay connected and contribute to this conversation. If this podcast has helped you in any way, you can show your appreciation by leaving a rating and writing a review of our podcast on iTunes or on your podcast player. You can also show us some love by hitting us up on social media. You can like our Facebook page, follow us on Instagram, our handle is at The Learner's Corner, or follow us on Twitter and let us know what you're learning at our handle at Learner's Podcast. Until next time. Keep learning and keep growing.